Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. What if every verse in that stanza in that song was like, I'd rather have Jesus than wife and children and house, and job, and synagogue, and friends, and relatives, and whole community. We'd have a lot of stanzas to sing. But what if it was? But it was for him. And the reason I had the confidence, I mean, how could I? Who am I to tell him it's going to be worth it? Tom Cantor, what are you? You're going to be the wife? How? How? Because of verse 12. Because of verse 12. That's the basis for the confidence. Verse 12. The Lord, with his own blood, sanctified, set apart. This is the accomplishment of the blood of the Lord Jesus. It gives the courage, it gives the strength to leave the mainstream and be set apart or sanctified. And with all that loss that rabbi was facing, which is the same as all the loss that the Jewish people were facing in the book of Hebrews, and even more, as it spoke about the spoiling of their goods and and all that they suffered, the exhortation comes in the next verse, which is Hebrews 13, 13, Hebrews 13, 13, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. Go ahead, be called the traitor, traitor, traitor rabbi. Go ahead, you, you have all the, 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 the curses put on you because when you do, you are going forth unto him, not alone, you're going forth unto Lord Jesus, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach just like Jesus did, just like David did when he left the city of Jerusalem because Absalom had taken over. And as he went, as he left outside there and there was Shimei and there was uh, throwing stones and casting uh, dirt and saying, you know, you dog, and, and uh, this is what happens to people like you, bearing his reproach. Which is, which, which is what I was telling the rabbi. Go forth, go forth. Because, why can you go forth? Because of the blood of the Lord Jesus. It's an accomplishment. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp. Don't choose the path of least resistance. Go forth. Don't choose the most comfortable path. Go forth. Don't just choose the path to blend in with the world. Go forth. Don't just say, well, if I become like the world, then I can best help the world. Go forth. But we don't just leave the mainstream of the world and religion without the Lord Jesus because it's just, because it's just good that we should separate ourselves. We leave because that's what the Lord did. He left it all. He left. And in fact, he was sacrificed outside the camp, and that's why we go forth. And this is just like what happened to the Israelites when they were so far from God. In Exodus 33.5, Exodus 33.5, 
And it says, the Lord had said unto Moses, say unto the children of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. It's way over there. Can you see it over there? It's not with you anymore. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which is without the camp. What a statement. Israel had sinned against God. Moses had the tabernacle broken down right in front of them from in the middle of Israel. Just imagine if you were there and you saw this tabernacle that was so comforting to you. You saw the pillar of fire. You saw the 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 cloud by night, the, the cloud by day, rather. And it, and, it, and it represents protection of the cloud during the heat of the day and the warmth and the fire by night. And you'd gotten so used to seeing the tabernacle right in the middle of Israel. Then all of a sudden, one day, you see Moses directing for the tabernacle to be broken down. You run over. You say, what are you doing? What are you doing with the tabernacle? And you're told that it's moving. And you, and you say, where? to another location within the camp of Israel so that others can have the advantage of being by the tabernacle? And you said, no. No, the tabernacle is being taken out of the camp of Israel, away from the millions of people of Israel, outside the camp, and you watch the tabernacle being being carted away and then being set up outside the camp, and then you're faced with a personal decision. Do I go to the tabernacle, which is where God is, which means that I turn my back on the people of Israel and choose God? Or do I say, no, I want to stay with my family. I want to stay with my friends. I want to stay with my people. I want to stay with my synagogue. I want to stay with my wife, with my children, with my house. I won't go outside the camp to the tabernacle. And the Bible says, but there were some who who did turn their back on their people, and they went to the tabernacle outside the the camp, and they're described in Exodus 33.7, Exodus 33.7, Everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation, which is without the camp. So those ones, they turned their back on their own people. They left the camp, and they were the ones who were seeking God. That's what it said. Everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle. And they were the ones who said, I'd rather have Jesus. They were the ones who said, God is more important to me than my own people. And so those people went forth outside the camp, and the reason they went forth is because they went forth unto God. And that's what is important to see in verse 13 of Hebrews, verse 13, go forth unto him. And so important that when a person does go forth, it must be go forth unto him. It must be a going to Jesus, a going to him. It must be a going forth to the Lord Jesus. Now, We've all heard people talk about separation from the world. And what they're talking about is separation from this world and to be separated from that world. And that separation of the world becomes like a life, becomes a life for them, where their, where their life is, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do anything in between. And all this emphasis is from this one word, which is from, from. But there's another word that goes along with the word from, and that's the word as it says here in, in 1 Thessalonians 1.9, 1 Thessalonians 1.9, for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So the word from is used to state that the Thessalonians had separated themselves from idols. 
But the other word that's so important in this 1 Thessalonians 1.9 verse is to. You turn to God from idols. Idols are repulsive. I, everybody should turn from idols. But there is a both a front and a back of a person. And when a person turns his back towards his idols, that just describes what he has turned from. But the real question is, what's in front of him? What is he facing? What is before him? And that's what 1 Thessalonians 1.9 tells us, that if a person turns from idols, he must turn to God. And this shows what real separation is not and what real separation is. Real separation is not just, I don't do this, I don't drink alcohol, I don't do that, I don't do this. Real separation is not just from, real separation is to. Real separation is from the world to God and then from the world. And when the Apostle Paul spoke about his personal separation, he emphasized this, what he turned to, when it says in Romans 1.1, Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of, of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised by his, afford by his prophets in the Holy Scripture, concerning his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, which was made of the, made of the seed of David according to the flesh, Paul was separated to the gospel. He loved the gospel. He was separated to the scriptures. He loved the word of God. He was separated to the Lord Jesus. He loved the Lord Jesus. And this is the grand point that's made about uh, Abraham, about Abraham in Joshua 24.3, Joshua 24.3, when it says, I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiply his seed and gave him Isaac. God said that he took Abraham from the other side of the flood, which is the Hebrew word there, Nahar, which means the river, like, a, like, like, like a, uh, the river he's referring to. And so God said that he took Abraham over the river. We're talking about the river Euphrates. He took Abraham over the river Euphrates. That's how God wanted the Jewish people to see Abraham as a person that God brought over. And as a matter of fact, Abraham is the first person in the Bible who is called a Hebrew, a Hebrew in Genesis 14, 13, Genesis 14, 13. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in planet Mamre. The letters of the word Hebrew, in Hebrew, uh, Ivrit, mean, those letters mean to cross over to cross over. And that's how Abraham is described as the Hebrew or the person who crossed over the river Euphrates. And that was the real significant part about Abraham because on, on his side of the Euphrates were Abraham's country and his family and his friends and his life he knew. And we might say his synagogue, but he didn't have synagogue, but anyway, whatever he had there, you know, he, he, and, and when Abraham came over the river, the Ivrit, the Hebrew crossed over the river, he left it all. He left it all. So it says in Hebrews 11.8, Hebrews 11.8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should have to receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. Abraham left everything that was familiar to him when he became the Ivrit, when he became the Hebrew, the person who crossed over the Euphrates. And Abraham did it because God was calling Abraham to come to him. 
So the way of real separation is to come to the Lord. No one would just leave the camp of Israel in Moses' day. It has to be that he was seeking the Lord. If he, and that's what he meant when he turned his back on his own people. Then he did that. No one just left the mainstream. It had to be to the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is the pole. And some people like to criticize the cults or, or other Christless religions. And it makes no sense just to criticize a person's religion. It's best to praise and talk about the Lord. Where are you going to? And to leave a Christless religion or the world's mainstream is what would be called giving up, giving up what cannot, giving up to something cannot remove sins, cannot redeem, cannot give peace, cannot cleanse, cannot make white, cannot justify, cannot do atonement and covering. And this is what Paul is talking about in Philippians 3.8, Philippians 3.8, when he says, yea, doubtless I call, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That's what it all means, to suffer the loss of all things. Paul's referring to the loss of, uh, of personal reputation that a person will lose to follow Christ, to follow the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 4.13, 1 Corinthians 4.13, being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world, and are the off-scouring of all things unto this day. Why would a person do that? Why would a person ever accept to become an outcast? And the reason is explained in Psalm 147.2. Psalm 147.2. The Lord doth build up together. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. In Isaiah 56.8. Isaiah 56.8. The Lord God which gathereth the outcasts of Israel saith, Yet will I gather others to him besides those that are gathered unto him. When the Lord Jesus suffered outside the city walls, he was an outcast of Israel. And now he gathers the other outcast of Israel to himself. And we see the Lord Jesus doing this with the blind man that he gave sight to in John 9. In John 9, he gave sight to a blind man, and the Jewish leaders cast that man out. He was an outcast of the synagogue. In John 9.34, John 9.34, they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in, the, in, the, in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard they had cast him out when he had found him. He said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. It was when the Lord Jesus heard that that man, that blind man who, no, was not blind, but that man had been cast out that Jesus found him. And when the Lord found him, why did he find him? Because he was looking for him. He gathered up that person as the outcast, and the Lord will gather up every outcast to himself. It's a pretty terrible title to be called an outcast. But that's what believers are called in the world, and this is what believers are called by religious Jews, and this is what, believe, what the Jews call me. They call me the person who left the tent. And every time I see my friend, he said, are you coming back into the tent? And I say, I have another tent, and I'm inviting you to come to that tent. But others, can, others may, may call a believer an outcast or someone outside the tent, but, that's what is, that, but, but, but what is important 
is, is what God calls that person. And in Ephesians 2.19, Ephesians 2.19, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. What a great title. Fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, a member of God's household. That's what makes it worth it to turn back from the, from the world and all those religions with their ABC promotions, which is anything but Christ. And, and, and just imagine, just imagine if you're one of those Israelites in the desert, you're living among all the tribes of Israel in the camp, and you're doing just like everyone else is doing. You're following all the ceremonies with the sacrifices, and all of a sudden, the Lord Jesus appears and tells everyone that he's been sent by God to abolish all those ceremonies because he has become the once and for all sacrifice that's going to stop all the sacrifices. And he tells everybody that what they are doing are, is, are just shadows of him and as the long-awaited once and for all sacrifice. And the leaders cast him out of the camp. They crucify him. And he's on a cross. He's bleeding. He's suffering. And now we hear the call of verse 13, which is, let us, let us go therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. Don't stay in the camp any anymore. Go to him. Take the same reproach he took. And we said, but that would ostracize him from the, from the group. Exactly. He, he would set him apart from everybody else, precisely. He would be sanctified. He would be sanctified. How could he do that? By the power of his blood. By the power of his blood. Verse 12, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people, suffered without the camp, without the gate. So in order for anybody to do that, they got to turn their back on their religion. They got to turn their back on everyone else in the camp. They got to abandon their hopes of that religion, their hopes of their association with the Jews. It could be, it's painful. It's painful. It's a painful sacrifice. And many are in this position where they have to turn from their religion that they've, that they've learned as a child, the religion of the heritage of their fathers. How can anyone do that? How could anyone become separated from his people? How? With his own blood that he might sanctify the people. How can we ask anyone or expect anyone to do that? With his own blood that he might sanctify the people. So in verse 13, Hebrews 13, 13, when it says, let us go forth unto him, it means that the Lord Jesus is the prize. He is the prize. He is the goal. First uh, Peter 2, 7, first Peter 2, 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he's precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Such a contrast there of how people can view the Lord. Precious versus disallowed. We go to him for his leading and for his teaching and for his truth. But we're told in verse 13 that what it means to go forth to him without the camp, it means to bear his reproach. Just think of his reproach. The bearing of that cross, walking through the city of Jerusalem with that cross, all the shame and the, and the mocking and the, and the curses that were hurled on him as he stumbles his way through the city carrying this cross, the greatest shame that any man could be put to. The disgrace and the destruction to a person's reputation was so severe that a person would rather die from the beating the scourging than to go through the bearing of the cross as he's being jeered and spit on so sh and then so shamelessly killed. And the first thing we want to do is to separate ourselves and say, how terrible, I'm so sorry that that happened to him. And, and, and the aspect, we should look at the cross with personal ownership. 
and say, that was our cross he was carrying. That was our road of sorrows up to Calvary. That was our hill that he was crucified on. Those nails were our nails. That crown of thorns was our crown. His reproach was our reproach, and he took it for us. And the reproach that we bear is his reproach because the Lord is linked to us. It says in Isaiah 63, 9, Isaiah 63, 9, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. It's not just some of our afflictions, but all of our afflictions. And so when Paul is there, he's persecuting the church of God, and it says it says in verse in Acts 9, 4, Acts 9, 4, he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I mean, uh, one time there was a, a, a very mean person who was yelling right in the face of the founder of Prairie Bible Institute, Ellie Maxwell, Ellie Maxwell, president of Prairie Bible Institute. And he replied to that person, I want you to know that standing in between me and you right now is the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything you've said to me, you've said to him. And that's true. Isaiah 63, 9, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. But for encouragement, we're told in, in Hebrews 13, 14, Hebrews 13, 14, here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. In the world, we have extreme uncertainty. You never know what you're going to hear when, you, when the, the news next. This world never did, never will give to any believer any rest or satisfaction of the soul. The city that is looked for is one that has foundations. We look for a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And that is eternal in the heavens. Just think of how wonderful that is going to be. It's not a place that's built on sin. It has, but on real foundations, not a place that man built, but a place that God built, not a place that's only temporary, but a place that's eternal. That's a wonderful city. But the truth is that there can be no city found unless there is a going unto him outside of the world. So today, what we've seen is one of the great asa, one of the great accomplishments of the blood of the Lord Jesus. It gives us strength. It gives us courage to be sanctified, to be set apart, to turn our back on what does not honor God in order that we might turn to God. Hebrews 13, 12, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, how can we thank you enough, Lord, for giving us the courage and the strength to be able to do what we could never do in ourselves, turn our back, and that we might, Lord, turn ourselves to you. Help us, each one of us, Lord, to see, see the criticality of this issue and to do it, trusting in your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. 
You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 